Okay, hi everyone. Um, this is Ivan Brady speaking. I there I see myself on the big screen now. Uh, welcome to this, our 10th Children in Care Research Forum. Um, really pleased to have made it to 10 and uh, we're delighted to have uh, Dr. Dawn Monet from Cardiff University to speak here this morning to yourselves. Um, I'll just run through a few housekeeping points if that's okay before we start. Um, so first of all, it's a big thanks to Maeve from the Trinity Research in Social Sciences uh, group for helping us with technical support for today. We would uh, be quite lost without her. So thanks so much, Maeve, for your help. Um, just to note that some of you might have registered for what for a previous session that we had planned with Dr. Lavinia McLean um, from the Technological University in Dublin. We're hoping to reschedule that session um, when possible and we'll be in touch uh, once we have that uh, planned. Um, just a few notes about these uh, sessions generally. So um, we have a, a master mailing list uh, that we circulate information about the various events through. And if anyone wants to be added to that list, you can email me at bradye3 at tcd.ie. Uh, please don't put your email address into the, the Q&A box here today because it will get lost. I won't be able to capture it, but please do email me bradye3 at tcd.ie is the address. Anyone who is on Twitter, please feel free to use our uh, hashtag children in care research um, uh, if you're tweeting throughout the session. And then lastly, just to let you know, the recording of the event will be circulated to everyone who registered afterwards. And we'll also be sending on uh, the slides for the session as well. Dawn has kindly agreed to circulate those. And thanks to May for putting my email address into the, the chat box there for everybody. So you can you can email me at that address if you'd like to be added to the mailing list. So um, what we'll do is I'm going to introduce Dawn now in a moment. Any questions that you have, we'll hold until the end of the presentation, but please feel free to type them into the Q&A box down there in the middle of your, the bottom middle of your screen. And uh, we'll get to um, as many of them as we can after Dawn's presentation. So without further ado, I'll introduce uh, Dawn, Dr. Dawn Manet from Cardiff University, as I said, who's very kindly um, zooming in from Wales. Uh, she's by the beach, uh, so I'm very jealous, sounds lovely. And she's going to talk to us today about research she has done um, around the value of cultural and creative engagement for young people in foster care. So I will hand you over to Dawn. Thanks, Dawn. Okay, so um, thank you very much. I'm just going to share my um, screen. Ooh. There we go. So thank you very much for inviting me. Oh, sorry about this. I'll, I'll get it working. So um, good morning, everybody, and thank you very much for inviting me today. So as Ivan said, um, my name's Dawn Mane, and I work in Cardiff University in Wales. So um, Dioc, which is thank you in Welsh, to Robbie and to Ivan for inviting me. I was really pleased to come over um, virtually to Ireland from Wales. It would be very nice to come um, in sort of in the, the non-virtual world and I hope to visit Ireland again but it's very nice to be here with you virtually today. 
So Robbie and Ivan asked me to talk about a paper that's come out recently in qualitative social work about a project I was involved with. If anybody um, can't access this paper and they'd like a pre-print version, please, um, please do feel free to email me and I'll send you a copy over. So this presentation really thinks about the importance of culture and art for children and young people who are care experienced, which Robbie has been talking about, you know, since the 1990s. So, so we know it's important. And parents done a review thinking about all the different benefits that children and young people get from engaging with the arts. And lots of studies have been done, but they don't always um, ask young people themselves. Sometimes they'll just ask foster carers or sometimes carers will be excluded. Sometimes you don't get the voices of facilitators. So in this study, we wanted to try and talk to everybody and, and get an idea of their um, different subjective views on this programme. And we were also interested in all the little mundane but important things. So we weren't just interested in the influence of the arts, but we were interested in, you know, what are the rooms like? You know, what do people get to eat? What are the relational qualities? So we really focused on those things. So this was a project with the Fostering Network in Wales and Wales Millennium Centre. And I was involved based on earlier work that I'd done um, looking at um, the experiences of education for care experienced children and young people in Wales and what they, what they thought should change and be different. So because of that, I'd worked with the Fostering Network before and we'd been in this sort of three year conversation with Wales Millennium Centre trying to do something with young people because in this project we'd had lots of um, sort of arts-based days and we did things like wall climbing and um, bag making and t-shirt making and clay work and jewellery making. So we knew that being involved with the arts was a real benefit. So after um, different tries to get some funding to do this work, we were able to do this as part of the Confidence in Care programme. So it was a 10 weeks arts programme and we worked with eight care experienced young people. So as part of the study, we did a review of the impact of arts and culture on communities more widely and looked at the benefits and barriers. And then we looked at different studies and projects that had gone before with children and young people. And then in the study itself, we did ethnographic participant observations. So me and um, Phil, who's not here today, went to all the sessions and, and joined in with everything in all the sessions. The young people got an arts award as part of the programme, so they kept reflexive diaries, which we were able to then use as part of the project analysis. We did a focus group with foster carers part way through the programme, and we also did a focus group at the end of the programme with the art facilitators. And then we also did interviews with foster carers and young people at the end of the programme. So this was a, such a, um, I was really pleased to give this talk today because it was such a lovely project and everybody involved really enjoyed being part of it. So we started off um, 
every session we start off sort of doing lots of drama games and jumping on chairs and being different animals and um, we did some drawing we got someone from only men allowed to come and do some singing with us we worked with different theatre groups so there were lots of arts experiences and then um, we also worked with the team that put on Warhorse. So we had a session with them learning how to move um, small puppets and making puppets. And then at the end of the programme, we all went to watch Warhorse together and all went out for food. So that was the sort of setup of the project. So young people, um, that's some of the stick puppets they made, and I'll come back to that later, but you can just about see the fish. That's my amazing fish that I was very proud of. The young people did much better puppets with moving joints, but I was still happy with my fish on a stick, which my grandchildren later broke, so I don't have it anymore. Um, so we did things like that. At the end of every day, we'd have a sort of circle session where we all had a chat about what we liked, and then young people would note that in their diaries. So you can see sort of examples here, someone saying, you know, if you focus on something you want to do and then in the end you'll do it and how some things look easy, but they're quite hard when you get to do them. So they just made notes about how they felt about the different sessions. When I got asked to be involved in this project, I did have some um, initial sort of cynicism that it would make any difference at all. <clears throat> excuse me so I thought sort of 10 weeks you know is that you know what's going to happen in 10 weeks 10 weeks of coming together won't be long enough and I wasn't expecting that much of a change but it there was such a difference in the young people so they grew in confidence and different skills they built friendships and you could just see how the real change on in them from the first initial sessions to the end of the program Foster care has also reported seeing changes in the young people and um, a point that hasn't really been picked up in previous research, they built their own supportive networks, so it was important for foster carers as well. And the staff noted changes in young people, but also in their own ideas about what arts are and what arts can do. So the young people talked about the arts themselves. They talked about what they made and bringing their puppets to life and learning to sing and learning to perform and have an imagination. But they also talked a lot about the social aspect, about making friends, about negotiating conflict, about improving confidence, about having something that got them out of bed on a Saturday and got them more engaged. So lots of, um, lots of skills were built in here and lots of social connections. Foster carers also talked about um, their motivations for bringing young people and this sort of social aspect, wanting them to build friendships, wanting them to improve confidence. So a lot of foster carers said, yeah, there's education and educational benefits, but it's the social benefits that they, they really wanted, those friendships to build, that social interaction. And foster carers really found it supportive for each other. So one here is saying, you know, it's nice to hear the stories and ask what I should do because I've been awake all night. So 
because foster carers had their own concerns, they felt like they had other foster carers who would understand those concerns. So a lot of the foster carers built friendships as well. This, um, I really like this quote from one of the facilitators that I think really captures some of the, some of the changes in the young people. So they're sort of saying um, they were like sea creatures. They had these crustaceans stuck on them and a muscle, and they were spoken really slowly and you can't see where they were going and there were all these muddy colours. And then week by week, this stuff sort of fell away and everything got easier and you could see the, the young people as themselves. You could see their natural colours and you could see the beauty and the shining and the brightness. And I really like this sort of analogy because that's very much um, what it felt like for us that you really saw this journey through the programme. And here at the end of this quote, um, one of the facilitators said, it's almost like they're breaking free. They're becoming the person that they really want to be. So I think one of the reasons that the programme worked well, which um, a lot of the foster carers said was because people felt at home. They didn't, they felt they could make connections. So here, one of the foster carers saying, you know, they do other activities, but they haven't made any friends there. And it's, it's more difficult because they're having to give a different account of themselves to other children. So here, everybody um, was care experienced. So it was different from just going to a club. So it was, it was built particularly for care experienced young people. So a lot of people felt, foster carers felt this worked better for the young people. They felt that they didn't have to sort of say, you know, what does your mum do? What does your dad do? Or have a different explanation to the rest of the young people. And we've, that's been picked up in earlier research. And we found that earlier in workshops that we've done that they like to go into a space where they didn't have to think about what they said to other people. And um, the caveat there, though, was that when you do make a space like that, it can close down opportunities for foster siblings. So in this program, there was also um, a child that came who lived in the same household because they didn't want to be excluded. And if they were excluded, it would have meant the other child couldn't come. So there are tensions in that model. The spaces um, were safe spaces as well. There was a lot of routine and familiarity. We all met in the same space downstairs and had a chat before it started. We started the sessions with um, similar activities. There were a core base of staff that were there every week. Initially, foster carers joined in the preliminary activities. So for the first couple of weeks, um, the foster carers would stay for most of the session. Then they'd just stay for the warm-up. So they gradually left and young people said that they felt more comfortable with the foster carers starting with them and then sort of gradually leaving, but still being in the building. Also, we had very skilled art facilitators. We had experienced practitioners from the fostering network and um, we had researchers with experience of working with young people. And at some points, there were sort of eight young people and eight adults, and sometimes eight and six. So there was a lot of support to do the activities and everybody joined in. So there wasn't sort of our oh, young people, you do this. We were all jumping on the chairs and rolling on the floor and 
doing drama. So everybody got involved. And that collaborative aspect was really important. So people talked about, you know, you do these fun activities, you socialize, you make friends. We're in one big family. That's what I think it is. And you really got that family feel. So at the beginning of the 10 weeks, I remember thinking, I don't think this is going to be very good and I don't want to give my Saturdays up. And by the end of the programme, um, we, we didn't want it to finish because it, it had um, that family feel had um, grown. And Thompson's talked before about these spaces of belonging with the arts. And it wasn't hierarchical. So it wasn't, we weren't making school subjects. It was very relaxed. So at the beginning, one of the young people just played with their phone. They didn't want to get involved. Um, but that wasn't sort of policed. It wasn't like, no, you are going to do this drama activity. We just let people join in as they wanted to. So I think as well, because it became more like a family, there were some tensions at the beginning. So one of the foster carers here is saying there was one child that disrupted the group. But as it moved on and people felt more connected, allowances were made in the way you would for family members. So, you know, they they were sort of brought into the fold. It, 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 was, it wasn't as it had started. Everyone sort of worked together in these projects. Um, another sort of little thing that I wanted to think about was food. So often when you read project reports and papers they don't talk about these sort of more mundane aspects but they're important aspects so there were lots of issues around food and provision of food and there were changes made in the type of food so it started with pizzas and lots of snacks and foster cares were concerned that didn't take into account that some of young people had dif difficult relationships with food because of previous experiences um, young people really didn't ask for any changes in the programme, but the one big change that was in lots of diaries said, we want pizza back. So here's someone saying, you know, that was the best thing. We are Donimos. If you, if you go somewhere and they say, here's an orange, we're not impressed. You know, say we're going to have pizza. It's good, isn't it? Give us some pizza. You know, it was the foster carer's fault. Who wants something more healthy? So you had these tensions, but you also had discussions from young people about learning um, more about self-control around food because they had the foods they liked. And when they first got there, they wanted to just eat everything, but then they learned to regulate their own behaviour. So I think with these sort of programmes, there were discussions to have before it starts, discussions with foster carers, but also discussions with young people to think about who should choose, you know, what the food should be who decides and to have this sort of more balanced interaction so everyone feeds in to food for vision. The other thing about the programme was that it ended and this is what we've had in previous programmes. I mean, when we've done research days that have been arts-based, we've had children come back as long as they can, but when funding goes and, and programmes end, what happens then? What happens to those relationships that have been built up? So here when the first state is saying, you know, it's the aftercare, it makes me nervous. So now everyone disappears. Um, at the end of this program, we did have some meetups. So I, I normally do the foster walk every year with the fostering network. So we all met up to do the foster walk together. Um, the facilitators did these extension sessions because they were worried about this sudden end. 
It was a springboard for friendships, so some of the young people stayed in touch outside of the programme. I think three of the young people, I think that's two or three, went on to do a, a main programme that's hosted by the centre. So they joined the main drama group and they later um, did a play of Matilda when one of them was Miss Henny. So they stayed with it. So they had that introduction, that safe space, but they stayed with the Millennium Centre and got involved in their drama. And I've stayed on the advisory board, as have the fostering network. So we're still feeding into what the centre does. So for some young people, it was an end, but for some young people, there were these additional opportunities. So beyond this project, there are still sort of wider barriers to overcome. So for some, there's, um, in Wales at the moment, there's a big push to have more arts um, curriculum in school. But for children and young people who don't have a good relationship with school or who are changing schools, they may not engage the same as the literature around sports. So because it's in school, that's a different setting. Accessing after school activities can also be difficult. Sometimes children live quite a distance from a school if they've gone into foster care but want to stay in the same school. So they can't always go to things that are on them. There are costs and fees attached. So obviously all this was, this was for free. But sometimes um, arts and drama can be very expensive when it's privately run. The awareness of care status can be a barrier for young people joining programmes, which was why it was good with this programme that people joined um, as an initial group and then springboarded onto other things. There's also a heavy reliance on engaged foster carers. So to come to this programme, young people needed to be taken, taken, but not just taken and dropped off. So here the foster carers engaged in lots of the activities. They supported children to come, they encouraged children to come. So that's more difficult for young people who might have different situations where they haven't got an engaged adult who wants to do this on their weekends. I think for the bigger picture as well, you'd need significant investment from governments, the third sector and individual arts-based organisations to make things um, accessible and not with a cost so that you can have these ongoing op opportunities rather than lots of little projects. So often you can get funding for a short-term project, but what you need is funding for something that continues to run. But in this project with sort of careful planning and resourcing, there was a potential for young people to become more confident in being themselves. And I think that's the thing we really took away from that programme, that growth in confidence. And this breaking free from the difficulties that often characterise their wider school experiences. So that's just some references. So um, DL, DL Conrando, and I think it's time um, for questions. So I'll stop sharing and thank you very much. Thanks, Dawn, so much. And I think your stick fish was excellent. <laughs> for what it's worth. Um, thank you so much. That was really, really interesting. And I think kind of maybe quite a different um, presentation than we've had on here. I think it's really interesting to think about arts and cultural activities generally in the context of COVID as well and how much they've been impacted. 
Um, so thank you so much for that. Um, just to say to everyone, if you'd like to pop any questions you have into the Q&A box, please feel free to do so and we will um, work through them. I, I had a question, if it's okay, done just to kick off, you mentioned engaged foster carers. And I was wondering the young people who, and children who were involved in it, do you know, did they have kind of pre-existing interests or involvement in arts activities already? Or, or was it kind of a really new thing for a lot of them? Um, two of the, one of the, one of the young people was going to do drama GCSE. So they had an interest in drama. And I think there was another person that did. The others didn't so much, they, but they had, when I talk about sort of engaged foster carers, a lot of the foster carers were on different forums or they were connected in a different way. Yeah. So a lot of the a lot of the foster carers that signed up, I'd seen them at other events. So, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so they were the ones that took up the opportunities. Okay. So yeah. not so much because the young people had um, an interest in arts initially, but because they're always looking for opportunities mm -hmm. for their children. Mm -hmm. No, it's lovely. It's really interesting. It's such a cool program. Is there plans to run it again? Do you know, or was that very much a one-off? No. So they did as part of competence in care. Then, from the feedback from the first one, they did it in different areas of Wales. And okay. now the um, Wales Millennium Centre is doing lots of programs to engage um, children and young people more widely, but particularly marginalised groups. So, for example, the Millennium Centre have got. Um, a choir with Voices from Care. So they have okay. a choir that runs there and they, they do events mm -hmm. and they're also doing a radio program. So now they're, they're really, really trying to think about how the organization can change and do more things in the actual center, mm. but also how they might need to go and do more satellite things locally so mm. people don't have to travel in. Mm. So, yeah, so it's, it's worked well because the center are very committed to making a change and and they're, they're good at partnership working with Voices from Care Cymru and the Foster Network in Wales. And were the local authorities involved in any way done or was it very much a separate exercise? No, I think that I think invitations went out because, you know, to a lot more children, but it wasn't it wasn't with the local authority. It's totally, totally separate. OK, okay. but the Welsh government did fund um, were part funders, I think, with the, I think with the National Lottery for the bigger confidence in care program. Okay. So that's that was um, that had quite a large funding and lots of different organisations. So that was just this was just a tiny bit of that much bigger project. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Okay. Well, because it's kind of like a case study of of an initiative of like it could be anything in many ways and there's lots of lessons to pull out from it I think in that respect um the question Maeve has a question um about the point you made about the pizzas yeah which is so interesting um she's wondering did the participants express an interest in having more self-determination in other aspects of their lives and do you think that this aspect of the program helped make it so successful um do you mean in terms of the the young person saying that, that they thought they had more self-control I guess so yeah, yeah 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 I think that was interesting I think it was sort of only maybe one young person that said that that yeah when they had pizza and cakes and all the bad foods that they the first couple of weeks they were like I've got to eat it and they just yeah then they just said they learned to regulate their own eating which I thought was really interesting mm -hmm. because the foster carers were not happy they were not with the food so you know they were sort of saying you know what are you doing but 
and I, I mean, it's a hard one because when I do stuff with children and young people, I get pizza, to be honest, because they don't want carrot sticks and stuff. And they'd be like, what, <laughs> what? are you doing? <laughs> yeah, what are you doing? And it's sort of that balance, I suppose, because it's not, I mean, it's not every day when it's an event. Yeah, so it's yeah. trying to think, you know, what do we go with? Is, is it supposed to be young people led? And do we go with what the young people want? Or, you know, should we? So it's it's a really tricky one to mm. negotiate, mm. but I th- it, it's 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 hard, and I think we have, and sometimes you know we, we like a treat, don't we? We like to have things that like I like to eat more chocolate than it's good for me. Sometimes I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, same here. Same there are salivatory, but yeah, it, we. I mean, the food was changed, but I think it's got it's got to be a mixture, hasn't it? It's got to be yeah. it's got to be a balance. But I think young people need to think think that their voices are heard if you're asking them particularly to plan going forward and then they don't want to see a program when nothing that they suggested is there so yeah yeah I wonder as well because the foster carers were at this program and were very involved and in other other initiatives or interventions or, or, or any kind of an event they might be less involved and less it might be less visible less kind of confronting I suppose in terms of the food yeah yeah because they could see it and yeah, then, yeah, yeah so yeah it was <clears throat> it was more of an issue I mean yeah I think it was nice that the foster carers were so involved I've just done a, a still sort of doing another project now with the fostering network which we've done online and um, this was about how young people think research should be done and how they want to be asked questions and um, like what visual things they would like doing as a part of that should we do it creatively so we sent different we were going to do it face to face with children and young people in a um in workshops but because of covid we couldn't so okay, that sort of put yeah. the brakes on it so we had to do it online and because we had to do it online and we sent lots of packs of craft stuffs out and different questions foster carers had to support it and we and we weren't going to have foster carers in but foster carers really loved it and they said that we should do this every time a new child starts with them mm. because they said they found out lots of things about the children that they didn't know and the children found out a lot about them so because okay. they weren't excluded in a way it was better so yeah, yeah. oh that's fab that's a great um example of how it kind of can shape and impact the experience of being in care and things isn't it that's brilliant mm-hmm. on Robbie has his hand up and then we've a, a question that I'll come to then after that thanks Robbie Thanks, Ivan. Thanks, Don. Really interesting presentation. Thank um, you. One of the things that struck me about, I mean, many things I could ask about, but one thing in particular was the point about the group. The, the series was for young people in care alone. Uh, although I know you mentioned that maybe one young person from the same foster family was also involved. Mm. But in, overall, it was for young people in care. Um, and I have to say, sometimes per- personally, I, I am a little anxious when things are too much isolating young people in care. And uh, but I thought I, w- I was very convinced by the, by your your the case you were making that this was a very valuable bridge for young people. Mm. It would be a very tough ask. I think what your research has kind of reminded me is it's a big ask for a lot of young people to. Uh, go to make one leap from not being involved in something like this to being involved in something like this with lots of young people who are who are uh, 
who are different, so different to them in, in the sense maybe they're, the majority are not in care and so on. So I, th I think it was interesting what you said that for some of them, it, it seemed to serve as a bridge where they could then continue involvement in the arts world, mm. uh, but probably couldn't have done that without the stepping stone of the project, which is really, I think, a great uh, vindication of the whole project, you know, that this, this, this has kind of opened new opportunities for young people. Um, and while I'm, while I'm so maybe you want to make some comment on that, sorry, before I go on to the next. Yeah, I think there's a real tension. So when we were reviewing the literature, so you've got one set of authors saying, right, you need to do something. It's got to only be for care experienced people, no other people. They have to have their own space. And then a whole other literature saying that's more stigmatizing. You, you have to have open spaces. You shouldn't separate young people off. So I'd read sort of both sides of that. But I think, I mean, the project we've been involved with early, much earlier in 2015, lots of children were saying they want to come back because they like um, being in an arena where they're not the odd one out. So the younger children said that. And then the um, older young people we worked with sort of post 16 would say, I've only come because I want to be with other people like me. And I also want to make connections with them in my local area. So in those projects, they were the real sort of benefits. But yeah, I do think it's got to be a springboard. I mean, you don't want to just have this group that's set up forever. And, you know, you go, you stay in this group. So you don't want to have these sort of camps. But I think for getting people involved initially, it builds that confidence to go on further, particularly if they can take someone from the initial group which is what they did here. So they didn't go alone. They went together. Yeah. A bit like um, sometimes, I mean, I did my degree as a mature student, so I didn't do A-levels or, you know, I didn't go to university when I was younger. But a lot of the um, adult learning programs start very small. And then when you do go to the big university, you're going with some other people that you've seen their face before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Such, a, such an important insight. To, I think this idea of uh, having... Uh, Kind of bridges to to to, to new experience uh, yeah really great great idea but also being aware of that risk of stigma and isolation the people get trapped in a bubble of uh with only with people who they who are have similar identities to their own you know which yeah is, which isn't really how life works mostly so you know yeah um could i just ask a more practical question as well if i, if I have the floor which is any advice you'd offer to um both researchers but also practitioners in terms of engagement with, with this kind of project because I mean it seems like it has so much potential for opening up opportunities not just for the young people but for carers and uh, also I think even for arts facilitators it must be quite stimulating I think it, it for everyone it must kind of freshen up the way they think about about a lot of things yeah the arts facilitators found it really valuable what they did say though which was changed for later programs with this one because obviously i haven't i mean i can send people a paper but it doesn't go into everything um they said that they would have um w they wish they had the training first because they had some training from um for working with you know experienced children young people things that they'd need to know but they said where the training came in was too late because they would have designed some of the activities differently. So I think you've got to really think in advance about what you're doing. They also said that only the key facilitator were trained where it would have been useful for everybody to have to have that training. So I think it's planning 
planning in advance and having um, having training, but also having ideas from young people from you know who've done previous projects about how they'd like it to then. So having those experts by experience, foster carers, care leavers, to really think about how how programs should go ahead before you sort of jump in. And yeah, and also try and think, I mean, if you're doing creative things, because I use them a lot in other projects anyway, but trying them with your, on yourself, with your friends and family, not just turning up. I mean, I've turned up before to something with fuzzy felts and I forgot that you've got to pop everyone out. They don't come, they just come in these strips. So I'm just thinking I'll open the box and we'll do this. And it took like two hours and the young people were like, we're not doing it now. It's like, shove your fuzzy felts. So you've just got to try stuff before you do it. <laughs> yeah. Important takeaway there, Dawn. Yeah. <laughs> the fuzzy felt first. Yeah. Thanks, Thanks, Robbie. Actually, the, the a question that's come in, I think is quite connected to what you've been asking there, Robbie, but Dawn, you might have additional insights on what you've just said. Daniel Kill saying, thanks for the presentation. What approach do you recommend when trying to encourage young people to engage with creative therapy services when they are very resistant? So do you have any thoughts on that one, Dawn? Yeah, I mean, it's sometimes it's hard because of the way it's it's presented. I think if sometimes if it's presented as a, a therapy, it's a different, it has a, a particular connotation, doesn't it? Mm. And sometimes you can be stuck if if you or if you're working in a program that's called a particular thing that can that can act as a barrier. Yeah. But I don't I mean, I don't know the program, so I don't know the capacity, but sometimes if you if you can do something else first so you could just sort of meet the young person and go to Costa Coffee or you could maybe it's the relationship building to bring them into the program mm. or to think about how some young people might want to do it with a friend and is it possible for them to come as a peer with a friend or is it possible for them to come with a foster sibling or a carer mm -hmm. so is there a way that'll that'll help that young person engage but then will the programme allow that? And I think that's the issue with lots of programmes. There are lots of rules or regulations, but if they can be, if they can be sort of swerved in a way that you don't run it in that normal way, but it's done, done with some sort of support. It's kind of like the, the uh, like an, a spray, the springboard knowledge that you're using, maybe sort of a, a way of gradually easing someone into something as opposed to, I mean, I know there's hard, that, that can be tricky depending on, I'm not sure what the service is, Daniel, that you're asking about, but um, even talking to someone else who's been through it. But I, I think the general sense is that like any ways that make the initial experience of it kind of softer um, would, would be would be preferable if possible. But I th it's very relevant to the question you're asking there, Robbie, too, because I think your presentation has really highlighted the value and quite beyond kind of, you know, the fun and the activity, but things around, you know, confidence and self-esteem and that sense of belonging and having that space. Um, I, 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 that, that's so powerful in what you've just been presenting there. So um, anything that can kind of help people to get into that space is obviously going to be really beneficial. Uh, did you say what age the, the young people were done? Sorry, I meant to ask you that. Were they teenagers mostly or was it younger they were sort kids? of Yeah, sort of, um sort of I think maybe the youngest was around 11 so it's sort of that sort of early teenage mm. stage because yeah. I guess what you do to get people involved is different depending on you know if they're five or six or 15 or 16 it's going to be <laughs> and there was a whole gender issue because they were they were no they, they were they all identified as girls so they were no 
no one who identifies oh, as boy. Interesting. And I think that's um, to do with gender stereotypes around the arts. Mm. So it's seen as a, as girls' things. Mm. So I think if we'd have maybe done something like you know based around rap music. So it's also thinking about how do you engage those other young people. And I think it's really difficult in academia because. Uh, there's a criticism you know that you shouldn't sort of say girls things or boys things or you should you know things have got to be open but children don't think that mm-hmm. so even in the recent project I was talking about when we've been posting these things out and we've saying to children you know what should we do how should researchers work what activities they they clearly demark by gender and they'll say we want more boys things or this won't work for boys or mm-hmm. so it's very difficult to have those tensions because they have their clear ideas about what's appropriate for them in terms of their gender identity yeah and if you try to push back against it too much then it just leads to no one no one potentially being involved I suppose yeah and if you're trying to do it like in the new project if you're trying to do it so it's led by young people where'd you go with you know they're either leading it or they're not so Mm. it's yeah it's Mm. difficult do you plan to follow up with the group and to see if anyone has kind of stayed on in any kind of arts based activity or is that possible with the, the, the work? Yeah well I know the two the two did because they joined the the main drama and some of them we'll we'll see again I think because um some of the foster carers are involved in some of the groups so yeah and you just um you see people all the time you know I think Wales is quite small so yeah. the the community is quite small so it's really nice. I see people that I worked with in 2015 and we've got somebody now that I did, um, I trained them in research methods and then then I interviewed them as part of another project. And now they're, now they're a co-researcher on a project oh, with us. And, so cool. and you see people all the time you go out and someone shouts, Dr. Dawn, like across <laughs> the room. So you see a lot of young people who have started in smaller projects and they've built that in some way you know, in sometimes into further education or employment or they're involved in conferences or they're involved in a choir or so mm. you do see a lot of, I mean, you don't see everyone and I mean that's one of the issues with with care is when people get moved. So we did one project and we wanted to send everybody a present but then some of the addresses already didn't work. Yeah. So that's, yes. yeah, that's mm. a real difficulty. You just to say for everyone that like you, you, you've alluded to already, but you do really creative things with your research, John. You're like so ahead of the curve in what you do, and really kind of incredible ways of engaging um, children and young people. I think, and this is just, I suppose, one example of that. Um, I have a question here, and then I think Robbie has his hand up as well. So Sam saying, I'm sorry, someone uh, Kate had to leave to go and collect your children, so she has left early. Okay. Sends her apologies. Um, Sam saying, thank you. I'll be reading your article ASAP. Can I ask, do you feel that your findings would hold for other groups, for example, non-arts-based activities, or is there something special about the creative aspect? Hmm. Cool question, Sam. Yeah, um, someone asked that actually when I was um, when I wrote the article because the article sort of come much later than the project. Yeah. But um, I do think that it would work with other groups, but in different ways. So I think there's something about the arts when you're drawing or creating things that does sort of shift your mind in a way. Mm. So I think I think there is something special to the arts, but I think you can get that feeling of a big family through other things like sport. So I did um, I did a study before, and I think I studied a, a boys' football team. 
and you do get these elements through sports. So I think it's it's not exactly the same as the arts, and I think the arts doing other things, but I think that you can make sort of, well, I don't want to say huge life changing, because that makes, sounds really dramatic, but you can make small changes that change lives through mm. things like football as well. Mm, mm. And I suppose having that mindset for, for all activities, I guess it depends on the, the, the child, the kid, the young person as well. Something might spark, sport might spark someone and arts might spark another person and kind of having the opportunities, I suppose, to, to find that place where you're, you're kind of finding your space or your thing or your the place where you feel a bit more like you belong, I suppose. Um, yeah, and I think that's what it is. It's about the fostering of belonging that you've still I mean the football team that I I worked with that was ages ago when I did my undergrad dissertation they um a lot of them are still in contact now and it was really interesting because it was a football team that um bridged a, um an area of um extreme poverty was um bordering a very affluent area so you had these very different um mm. children playing football together but lots, yeah, lots are still in contact now. So and when I worked with them, they were just transitioning to high school. So they were 11. So I was looking yeah. at the fallacy of school choice and who went where. But the, the actual football itself, um, for some young people, a mate who had challenging circumstances was a thing that gave them a mm-hmm. sense of identity and belonging. Mm-hmm. That is an intense undergraduate dissertation, Dawn. No wonder you're <laughs> Dr. Dawn. <laughs> I love it. That sounds so cool. Uh, Robbie, did you want to come back in? <laughs> well, just uh, thinking about your project and it's really interesting how as a researcher, you're kind of uh, bringing ideas into the systems, uh, you know, yourself. You're not you're, you're kind of a um, not just a, a passive observer. You're kind of helping stimulate people's thinking and practices and so on, which is great. But on that point, um, and the mention of foster carers, and you were saying that, if I understood correctly, it was almost like a, a accidental involvement of the foster carers. But maybe I've, I haven't quite understood, understood that problem. No, on this on this study, it was purposeful, but okay. on the the one that I'm doing at the moment, it was by accident, but it worked out okay. better. So that was so difficult. <laughs> but I'm just wondering. I mean, this is speculation, I suppose, asking you to speculate in some ways, but do you think there would be any mileage in thinking about projects which that this is ultimately to benefit children, but that if, we, if, if there was some uh, attempts to engage adults in some of this work in order that they then are more connected in and, and more understanding of the point of arts as a, as a way into opening up opportunities for people and breaking breaking free in their in different ways you know i think that was a lovely phrase really that 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 phrase breaking free and how, how mm. do we help people to break free whatever it is they're breaking free from but the different constraints and so on that are operate in our lives um so i just any any reflections on that about about or or or, or alternatively doing it in a in a very structured way so you're trying to bring a a lot of carers with you into the process with the, with the young people sorry I'm jumbling that up a little bit but anyway <laughs> <laughs> I think it definitely works for adults and I think yeah the foster care and a lot of my work because when people see me in work and I've got sandboxes and I go in out with all this equipment they always think I'm working with children but most of my work has actually been with adults with the arts 
and in that project now foster kids have absolutely loved it and they they like it because if you say like asking someone questions which is always happens in Kenya social workers you've just got this thing where someone's staring at you and asking you questions and it's really uncomfortable but if you're making things together you're both looking at the thing that's being made so it shifts that dynamic so they're really really useful and that's what we try and sort of move away from the social work interview in our works I think it builds a different sort of relationship and I think for, but for adults in general and for care leavers I mean there's some great work so like um Sir Jane just like um they do retreats for care leavers where they do artwork and that's been really transformational so there's a lots of work with adults it's really useful very good thanks very much John okay are there any plans to replicate this program elsewhere or to do it again or I know Confidence in Care have been doing other programs and I know the centre would like to do more things but yeah I think it's there was quite, there was a lot of input in that so it's it's always about the question of funding to do that so there was high levels of staff and high mm. levels of interaction yeah. but I think that the centre's They've got a lot. I mean, it's been unfortunate because we've had sort of COVID come in the middle of it, but they've got lots of plans to engage different types of young people because places like the Millennium Centre and Art Centres in general, they've they've done a lot of free provision activities, but you get the usual suspects of more affluent parents that take those yeah. up. Yeah. So it's yeah. about how do you how do you engage other young people and and how how does the centre have to change to do that rather than the, the people have to change to come? Mm-hmm. I'm actually just thinking, sorry, this is off the top of my head. Two points. I wonder if there's people here who attending who might actually be involved in any kind of creative programmes like this. It would be great to hear from them. But also I wonder kind of the arts. I'm kind of thinking about my own child specifically here, but I wonder, is it... Are there certain activities that that kids or young people are, are are more drawn to or less drawn to? Is the arts a trickier one to get people into as opposed to sports? And I'm thinking almost answering that question as I ask that it probably just depends on the child. It probably doesn't sway a majority doesn't go either way. is that does that make any yeah. sense even? <laughs> yeah, I think you've got to just try different things when yeah. you with different young people. And that's why it's hard because often like policymakers or they want you to come up with like this is the thing that works yeah, but it's yeah. never going to be this is the thing that works for everybody and you can mm-hmm. ask five young people and get five different answers which is hard when you're trying to do things that young people led so then you're asking people but they all want to do it differently and it's how you how you cope then with that difference in a program yeah that probably goes back to Sam's question I suppose about you know and I suppose it's about the building blocks of the program are are things to think about elsewhere but you know the activities and things like that will differ but maybe there's elements of this that can be thought about and and applied in other contexts with other programs and things like that um it's really exciting though to to think about is the paper done i'm just thinking i i few people said they'd like to access it is it it's not open access though sure it's not it's no but i can send a i could send it to you if you want if that's easier than emailing me that would be great yeah so when we send the recording we'll send the recording the slides and the paper then is that okay john yeah 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 okay perfect perfect yeah the thing i think robbie was saying earlier as well about it not just being research i think that visual methods are useful there so from our other work around education and we we don't just we try not just to do an article or a report we've, yeah. so we've done, 
magazines for um foster care is two magazines like um take a take a break you know that's like that oh, sort of yeah. like those sort of magazines so we've um incorporated findings into those we've done a young person's magazine for young people and music videos and audios and short animations so I think you can't well I expect because Robbie will know as well because he's been doing this you know since the since the 90s and maybe earlier but it's you get the same it's the same issues like all the studies bring up the same issues but it's and sometimes you'll get changes in policy but you won't get changes in practice and it's because we keep writing articles and books that you know just no one reads I think there's a huge potential in the arts to get messages out in Mm. all these different ways Mm. to all the people who need to hear them Mm. work from them yeah that's that's such an important point Amanda has said she has to leave but uh, very informative and innovative it's so important to help these young people forge connections with others with similar experiences I think that speaks to that earlier point about uh maybe the the discussion about that as well I suppose that that Robbie was raising as well thank you just Amanda there aren't any other questions and I think maybe if other if, if people want to if there's any last questions before we wrap up I'm just looking at the time it's 25 past but just to say a huge thanks Dawn for I think this is the first air first airing first foray of this uh, study to be presented so we're really delighted that you were able to do that here today um, and I think there's some really powerful messages that you know specific to the program but wider messages as well to to take forward um and thank you for giving your time the slides and the paper <laughs> it's very very generous of you very generous indeed um and i guess your email address is on the slides as well if anyone does want to follow up with additional questions is that okay yeah 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 so i know it's been quite quiet today but hopefully if you you know if you have a question later today or in in you know four months time and you think I can help with anything or you want me to send anything do feel free to email me at any point thanks so much Dawn that's brilliant and Dan saying thank you very much that's brilliant well I think we will end it there if that's okay and uh Dawn we will we'll be in touch and thank you so much and thanks to everyone for for coming along just to add we'll we'll we won't have any more sessions now over the summer but we're planning to run more of these uh forums for uh, in the autumn so we will be in touch with anyone uh, who's on our mailing list and again the mailing list is bradye3 at tcd.ie if you want to be added to that okay thank you so thanks so much john thanks robbie thank thanks, you thanks. Thanks, thanks thank you, thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.